Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Bait to Healing Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in the beautiful Studio B. Studio B for now. That's right. Oh, yes. We might be having to change our studios. To Studio C or Studio D. There might be some other activities happening in here at the time we don't record. Studio A, B, and C. Well, Studio A is over there. It's in the office. Studio B is here. C is over there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we yeah. haven't had to do a D yet. We haven't. It could happen. But we could happen. We also might do some on-location filming. We were thinking about, let's just go to McDonald's, you know? We got this whole setup now in like a How cool would we just a case? Oh, it's too hot to go outside. Yeah, no thanks. No, maybe no. in the fall we could go outside. Yeah, maybe if we decided we're to go to like extension Bay to Hila, Iowa, filming. we could do it, you know? Yeah. On location. But uh, anyways, oh, I'm here with Pastor Nick. Let's do it. Look at that. Already rushing me, you know? I'm just... It's Russian collusion. Getting started. Yeah, I'm an Englishman. <laughs> so, so listen, if you're watching this for the first time, welcome to Christians with Torah, where we believe that the Torah is relevant for today, God's teachings and instructions, loving instructions from a father to his children. Amen. And uh, we're trying to show people that we can peel the veil away and you'll see that it's good for you and it's not bondage. It's none of that crazy stuff that people say. And it's definitely not done away with. Amen. This is true. This is true. So uh, if you like what you see or you're interested, please hit the subscribe button. Hit the little bell if you're on YouTube. Like the page if you're on Facebook uh, or if you're listening on your podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Rate and review us if you're on Apple. That really helps us get our, our ranking up and our numbers up. Help us out with that. And then last but not least, if you want to email me, my email is ryan at twopraise.net. Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. We are officially in the three weeks of affliction. So the three weeks of affliction is the three weeks that from Tamu 17, which is the golden calf incident, all the way to the ninth of Av, which is the uh, destruction of both temples. Um, They say that on Tamu 17, the the walls of Jerusalem were breached and that, you know, by the time they got to the ninth of Av. um, And there's also somewhere in there is the sin of the spies occurred. So that began, of course, June 20, uh, June uh, 26 in the eve. Yep. And it will conclude uh, on July 18th, that day, in, in and then the, the evening sundown, will be, yeah. of course, the uh, 11th of Av. That's right. Or the 10th of Av. And so, of course, traditionally, the 9th of Av Caution. is the most solemn day uh, outside of Yom Kippur on the Jewish calendar, where they mourn for the destruction of also, both temples. Also, we, we've discovered that we have the color-coded biblical calendar. So yes. the three weeks of affliction, it's not about doom and gloom or, or just watch out. It's about being sober, vigilant, knowing what's going on. Uh, but it's, it's caution. It's yellow. Yeah. The color the color's yellow. So if, if you would like to have a color-coded biblical calendar, contact Ryan at twopraise.net, and we'd love to send it to you. Yeah, as a, as yeah I do. I have a PDF of it already, and, and I it's can shoot it right And it's kind of like an S-curve, right as you look and see, because, like, uh, Purim is this caution going into, uh, of course, we go into the uh, counting of the Omer is a time of caution because you're in between two feast days. Yeah. Now we're into the three weeks of affliction caution. And then, of course, we'll go into Teshuva, mm, and then mm. we'll go into, of course, Hanukkah is a time of caution as well. Yeah. Of the, Teshuva, the fall feasts, and then Hanukkah for the book. Good stuff. Yeah, it is all good stuff. So uh, we also want to say a big thank you to Aaron Lipkin. Aaron Lipkin was just here, and uh, I did sit down and do an interview with him. So uh, if you're watching this you know, right as it came out, then you know, I think on Thursday I'll probably post the the interview excellent, with Aaron. Excellent. It was. No, it was great. It was a great time. Uh, very blessed time. I think uh, God was glorified. Amen? It was good. So, um, I try to like jam as much announcements and business into the very beginning right there because we only have so much time. So, I'm going to jump into the podcast, or uh, the podcast, the we Torah portion. right into the podcast. The Torah Let's portion. Jump right into We're already in it. We're already in and it. And we got We're the swimming. Eight, well, YouTube video too, right? Well, the, yeah, same thing, you know. It's not it's on all, YouTube, it's on Facebook. YouTube and Facebook. Wow. That's right, awesome. baby. We are an omni-channel organization. This is so cool. Yeah. I'm about to add Rumble probably, just wow, in case. You let's know. get ready to rumble. <laughs> so, uh, where was I? Okay, so the tour portion. Pincus, yes. a.k.a. Phineas, is the tour portion found in the book of Numbers, starting in chapter 25 and verse 10, and ending in chapter 30 and verse 1. 
Okay, so basically we're coming to the conclusion of this book pretty soon here because there's only 36 chapters. But I just want to give you a little setting here. There's actually three parts to the book of Numbers, but I just want to share with you the third part that we are in. It's actually at Moab, at the gate to the land. And, of course, uh, this takes place within a few months. And, of course, Mount Nebo is going to play a part. This begins in chapter 22 of verse 2 all the way through chapter 36. And service, war, and wilderness are three key words found in the book of Numbers. So once again, uh, we have a situation here where actually we just concluded that uh, some some tragedies occurred here. We had 24,000 people die of a plague from the Lord. So everybody's fighting about CDC and masks and COVID-19 and this and that. And is it is it made in a lab? Is it bat soup? You know, Wuhan and all that. And the bottom line is that God allowed it. Yeah. So, so you know, some have recovered, some have passed from from the COVID nineteen or diagnosed with that as the cause of death. But, but God is in control. He is a sovereign God, and we have to trust Him. Amen. So, so as we move into this, we have a hero. Uh, we have, of course, Phineas, uh, and he actually turned back the anger of the Lord. He is the son of Eleazar and the son of Aaron the priest, and he represents three generations. Yes. Now, I have this uh, this this theory about. You know, well, how will we know when the Messiah is going to return? Well, I do believe that there has to be like three generations that are born again, baptized, spirit filled and have the Torah. Uh, now, where that generation begins and ends, I don't know. But here we have an interesting observation. Phineas is a third generation. His father was Eliezer, whose father was Aaron. So as I look back on Beit Tehillah and the founder of Beit Tehillah, the great matriarch, uh, Pastor Tifa and Pastor Randy. Um, we have, of course, uh, my wife, which is her daughter, two daughters, uh, Danielle and Dina, and of course their children. So there is three generations right there, Ryan, that could actually show us. And and people say, well, where do you get this from? Well, in, in Joel, it says, in the last days, uh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. That means to speak the very oracles of God. Young men will have visions, fresh revelation from God. Old men will dream dreams. So Pincus is a very important character, and uh, we had a wonderful time with uh, Aaron Lipkin last night as he sh- as shared on the Torah portion Pincus and brought out this character, Pincus, even later on, even in the book of Joshua and Judges. So to make a long story short, you know, we don't know where that generation begins or where it ends, but, but right now as we stand, you know, I have a, a, a 20-year-old son, and of course he's not married yet or anything, but, you know, when he has children— then that will be what? That'll be four generations. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, uh, we got to see the situation. What did, what did Pincus do or Phineas do? Uh, you know, and so let's develop the story. So, so what were the names of the two people that Phineas killed? Uh, the two people that Phineas killed were Zimri, the son of Salu, a prince of a chief house among the Simeonites, and Cosby, the daughter of Zer. Uh, he was head over a people and of a chief house in Midian. So interesting that two uh, leaders a prince of the Simeonites was the head of the Simeonites. Wow, the Simeonites. Simeon. We're going to talk about them later. We are. We sure are. Simeon, you know. Um, so basically, he, he caught them in the act. Took yeah. a spear, took matters in his own hands, rises in the nation, and while they were in the act, now it's been said that they were near the entrance to the tabernacle. Oh, yeah, it says it. Yeah. Committing the act. Yep. Oh, yeah. It was that... Flagrant. Blatant. Yeah, flagrant. Uh, that takes a lot of chutzpah. Um, I would say so. I'm telling you right now. So in, in, as we develop this story, we got to say, well, what's the, uh, we call this the undertow. What's the undertow? Uh, and it says right here in Numbers 25, verses 16 through 18. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites, and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague for Peor's sake. So Baal Peor, uh, right there, 24,000 people died of a plague. And that was the generation that was given the promise. Yeah. They saw their parents die in the wilderness yep. because of their sins and because they were not allowed to go into the And so they knew that they had this chance that they could go into the land. Yeah. Maybe they had this thing called entitlement. Yeah. You oh, know, we're just going to go in the promised land. 
so Phineas is the son of the high priest at this point, right? Aaron has passed away. Eliezer is high priest, and uh, Phineas being, you know, quote unquote, second in command, so to speak. And so I think w- when I originally thought about this, I was like, well, that's so weird. What do they like? Run up in front of like a big group of people and start doing weird stuff. And I think that what would happen here is that. Um, if I had to imagine how this plays out in reality, because I always try to bring reality into what I'm reading here. Not that obviously this is reality, but meaning bring my own vision of it into reality. And the Midianites and these other occultic practicing groups would use sexual morality as part of their religious rituals, right? So they would do things on altars. They would sacrifice children. They would, these were uh, well-known in the, ancient world that these things occurred and they're even still happening today which kind of creeps me out the paranormal exactly right exactly right so this is occult practices so if i had to imagine what happened is they were maybe trying to sneak in and do something that they felt was going to bring some sort of a power or a spirit or whatever and phineas being around because you know the 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 levites and the priests uh, moses and aaron's household was at the east side of the tabernacle came upon this, and when he saw it, you know, I can just imagine, you know, his righteous indignation, and speared them both through. Um, so, so obviously the story goes. And so he did this this thing, and he ended up saving a lot of people by doing it. Um, because, That's true. Because he, you know, God's house cannot be de- desecrated Well, the bottom way. line is that there was some poor leadership. Oh, yeah. And God said, string them up, kill them. Yeah, because he's the head, head of the Seminites. Put them facing the sun. Yeah. That was the that was the judgment. That's a severe judgment. Well, that's another big issue the leadership. here because again, this is the tribe of Simeon, and this is one of the princes of Simeon, meaning one of the chief rulers of the Simeonites. So this is an influential person who's doing this, and you can only imagine that they're leading other people astray as they do it. You know, uh, I'm just checking over my notes here. Uh, here. Here's the question, and we're gonna look up a few things here. How has Satan beguiled God's children today and been successful with his wiles? So if you can go to 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3, Ryan, and read that, uh, that'll set the stage for uh, he's still operating in this manner. So we're, we're seeing where the, the children of Israel were beguiled by Balak through Balaam. Yeah. The plan went into effect. Bring these beautiful women into the camp, introduce them. Next thing you know, Israel curses themselves through what? Sexual immorality. That's right. That leads to idolatry. So let's check out what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. That's right. So Paul is saying this in chapter 11, verse 2. Of Second Corinthians, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You want to expound on that a little bit? Yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, it's funny, too, because God says that he's not jealous so Eve was of beguiled. us, right? He's jealous for us. And um, and this also alludes to the fact that, that Eve was beguiled, and Eve was beguiled to do something possibly of an uh, immoral nature. Right. Um, you know, with the serpent or through the serpent or, you know, by the spirit of the serpent of some sort. And that, that, that lost innocence there, obviously. Um, but the point here is that Paul is saying that he has espoused us to one husband, and that husband is Jesus Christ, right? And that we are keeping his commands as part of our ketubah, right? Our covenant agreement right. with him. And so when we do things that sin against our own bodies, which we've read those verses several times over the past few tour portions, um, you know, about uh, that when you sin in a uh, sexual nature that you're sinning against your own body, and don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that right. you are one of the members of the body of Christ? Like, is is a part of God going to sin? And so these are are serious things, and I think that sometimes we blow them off, but we really need to take them seriously because if you can see here, you know, God was supporting the actions of Pincus, and we might even like you know kind of you know, raise an eyebrow to the fact that he skewered two people through. Uh, with a javelin, uh, but you know it says very clearly that because of that righteous action that he took, that God s- didn't bring punishment on the rest of the people. That basically he was standing in the gap with his actions. You know, I just want to bring to mind, you know, and this is just what I want to say. You know, I got rid of cable, yeah, because I believe that it's um, it just wasn't good. Agreed. You know, so, so the thing is, 
which is very interesting is that if I go ahead and just use the, the web, the internet, to decide what I want to watch and how I want to watch it, I don't have to watch all these bad commercials or this right. or that. But see, we're so easily deceived through like watching things on TV. We have to be careful. You know, I had a situation where I, um, I was like, um, like if I'm watching regular TV on an antenna and I go and I'm on three. So I went, I wonder what's after three, like what's behind three. If I go back. Yeah. It takes you right into the internet and all of the television stations that they want you to see. So what I saw was like this. I saw like these music videos that are current music videos. Uh, and, I, and I watched. I, I started. No, I started watching one and I went, I can't believe this. Yeah, no, it's insane. It's so nasty. Oh, it's, it's I'm telling grotesque. You, Ryan, I'm telling you right now. I said to myself, that is how he seduces i'm terrified I get rid of cable yes so i'm like i, I turned it off and I, I turned it back i went back to three and i yeah. went don't go back yeah like, <laughs> it's like it, it really it made my skin crawl like it scared me like oh my gosh i mean you know people dancing like snakes oh and it's so crazy you know horrible. you know that scene in the lion king it's not just the, the sexual immorality but it's the demonic stuff. yeah where mufasa is up Horns there with in their heads Ooh. You know that scene in The Lion King where Mufasa's up on the hill uh, or up on the top of the rock, like the mountain with uh, Simba? Oh, yeah. And he says, everything the light touches is our kingdom, right? And he's like, well, what's over there? He's like, that is, you must never go there. You know, never go past where the shadows are, oh, you know? yeah, that's true. And what so, do we do? but what do we do? What just exactly what Simba does, you know, in the movie. He goes, and he, oh, I got to at least check it out. That's a good point. Ryan. I got to at least go see it. I never thought it. about that, you know? Um, I'll tell you what. It's so funny because, you know, I just turned 35, you know? And God bless you. I know, right? I know you look at me and think I'm young, but you know the kids are starting to look at me and, and call me, you know, old and Mr. Cabrera and all this stuff. It's like, ah, oh, man. But here's the weird part about all this: I am now in a position where I'm looking at the quote unquote music of today, right? And I'm like, like an old man on his front lawn, you know, <laughs> like all oh, these kids these days are the darn music. It's not even music. Well, I, I've come to realize. That it's an escalation process. You know, it's all about money. It's all about, um, you know, trying to one-up the net, the last person. So the only way that I can gather people's attention is by doing something more shocking than what the last person did that caught their attention. Yeah. So it just it just layers on top. It's just an escalation process. And we just have to be careful even us personally, that we're not bringing things into our mind through our eyes and through our ears because that stuff then creeps into our hearts and it's not what goes into a man through you his know, mouth that defiles him, you know, but what comes out of him because garbage in, I would, I would garbage say, yeah. out. Are you turned on or are you turned off? Yeah, when you we, see we that. You have to decide. So, so here's the thing. Subtlety is used in here. Uh, the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, right? Subtlety, yeah. Subtlety. Now, now this word is panorgia, panorgia. That doesn't sound good. No. Panorgia, <laughs> like an orgy. No, it says trickery or sophistry, like sophistication, mm. cunning. Mm -hmm. So he's going to weasel his way, work his way in somehow yeah. to try and get you. Yep, yep, yep. I tell you, I got, I got some stories about that. But anyway, like I said. So I know, have the answer. You ready? You want the answer to the test? Yeah. Okay. So right here, our cross-reference is uh, Ephesians Chapter 6 and verse 11. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we need to do that one. This is, this is important because uh, there's doing things the world's way, and then there's doing things God's way. And I actually have a current event that I'd like to mention about this. But it says here in verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's a good cross-reference. That's right. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then it talks about more about you know putting on the armor of God. Uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, just this week has headlines mentioning that he, in one of his speeches, said that he is going to be putting on the whole armor of God in order to fight the good fight. That's true. That's a good so look, I don't I don't know the guy personally, right? I don't know what he does behind closed doors. So we doors. don't battle flesh and blood. We don't does battle it go flesh on to and say blood. That. It does. I just read it. Yeah, I just read it. So, but that's the point: is that at least he recognizes that wow. he doesn't battle flesh and blood. That that there's uh, the principalities and the rulers of you know of this world that we're battling, 
And we have it's to. It's a real battle. We've got to be sober and vigilant. We do. But we just have to be, we have to recognize it for what it is and acknowledge it. So that way we can stand against it. That's it, you know. And, and don't go judging everybody else. You know, I used to bring out examples of how bad the world is. This is too easy now. Oh, it's low hanging Now fruit. it's like, hey, how can I be clean? It's like shooting fish. How in can the I stay clean? That's the right question. How, what, what do I need to do to protect myself? Yeah. What do I need to do? You know, you know what I've come to find out is, uh, you know, I've been doing, I've been in Torah for seven and a half years now, eight years. Which is dangerous. Yeah. So what I'm finding is that there's always another level of purity. Just when I think that I've come to like, you know, I start to strut, you know, like, oh, look at me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't cuss, smoke, drink or do drugs or dance with girls that do. And then, and then there's another level of purity. Oh, well, I don't watch X, Y, Z. Right. You know what I mean? I don't allow that stuff, you know, well, he, he into my mind and my heart. We're being renewed. And then there's an even another level, right? There's another level and another level. And so you can continue to uh, get closer to God mm-hmm. through those. Like quit watching all this news and quit spending all your time on social media. Yeah, so you quit watching mind, you know? rated R movies. It says that we have the Holy Spirit in us. So how do we keep Amen. that? So you, you quit watching rated R movies, but then you're still watching the news. And it's still yuck. Oh, you yeah, know what well, I mean? yeah, that's true. So let's jump right into Numbers chapter 26 in the second census, Ryan. Go ahead and take it from here. Let's get moving on here because we spent some time in this yeah. first chapter. we got to get moving here. Yeah. But once again, you know, what Satan did in the garden, he's doing today. He doesn't have that's a right. new weapon. He doesn't have something new to get us. He's going to get us in our own fallen nature. We, tell the ki- we told the kids when they were younger, the trickster. We called the devil the trickster because that's really what he is. He's the father of lies. He's just... he. When you're tempted to do things, it's really a trick. It's a setup. Right. He's the trickster. So the kids understood that. All right. So what did the Lord tell Moses and Eliezer to do? Take a census. So we took a census at the beginning of Numbers. It has now come to the time where we're going to take another census right before they go into the land. So all that were counted were from 20 years old and upward throughout their father's house, all that were able to go to war in Israel. So no children, no women. That's right. So these are uh, men of men of war. Uh, the people were counted on the plains of Moab. 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 Um, and were the children of Korah still alive after their father's death? Absolutely. And we won't read it, but the references are First Chronicles 6.22. And in the Psalms, verses, uh, or chapters 42 through 49, we see Korah's children, uh, actually uh, his, his descendants, survived. Korah. That's right. He was swallowed up, but not the children. That's right. Boy, that'll tell you something. Yeah. I want to just mention that uh, pretty soon, I think, you know, Aaron was here for a, like a, basically an all-day conference on Sunday, and he did some discussions about some of the things that are in numbers and some interesting uh, things that we can extract from that, especially when it comes to the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. And so if you get the opportunity, um, you know, we'll get those up onto the YouTube channel for Bait Tehillah's YouTube channel. And, uh, and I encourage you guys to find them and watch them because they are um, awesome, awesome talk. So what tribe had the greatest decrease in the census? Well, it was Simeon. In the first census, there were 59,300. In the second census, only 22,200. Right. And so uh, wow. over the weekend, one of the things that, you know, I never even thought about Aaron mentioning you know, with this sin of, of Cosby and uh, what was the other guy's name? His name was Zimri, right? So Zimri and Cosby, uh, Zimri being a prince of Simeon, it's possible that there was an immorality that had was rampant within the tribe of Simeon and that there was some sort of a civil war and that that was what caused the numbers of the tribe of Simeon to drop so drastically. Because of the Baal Peor. And because of the, because of the Baal Peor, um, the plague but also possibly because of uh, maybe some sort of retribution where the other tribes ganged up on Simeon. Wasn't it Simeon and Levi that killed all the men of Shechem? It was, yeah. And isn't the symbol for Simeon a sword? I don't know. Let me look at the, the things. I'm not sure, but I think it is. Simeon, yeah, it's a sword with blood on it. Yep, yeah. right there. So anyway, um, known for violence. And then, of course, what did God do? He took the Levites and let them cut the animals' throats and be part of the sacrifices. That's right. So, so yeah. On the good. opposite end of that, what tribe had the greatest increase in the second census? We have Manasseh. That's right. That's right. And, of course, the first census was 32,200. They jumped up, wow, to 52,700. This is very interesting. Like a switch. And, again, 
Least Manasseh and Ephraim. In, decrease. Interesting decrease. little tidbits. If you get a chance to watch those things from Aaron, because it was really cool, some of the things that he mentioned, and, and part, partly maybe one of the reasons that uh, Manasseh increased so much in their numbers, uh, he gave kind of a, a possibility, you know, a possible theory on that. And so what was the total number of people counted in the second census? In the second census, we have 601,730 uh, of, of men age 20 and up. Uh, in the first census, we had 603,550. Gotcha. So, so then the question is, why were there more people in the, second, in the first census than in the second census, and how is that relevant for even today? You know, uh, it's very interesting, Ryan, as you do the math, as you, do it, uh, as you experience life and different events and things. Uh, I've learned that um, it's not how you start, but how you finish. Right. So here's the situation. This is something I've even noticed. Uh, here's an example that I can give you in the United States Marine Corps boot camp that I was in. I went and went into the Marine Corps Hoorah. reserves. Yeah, I went to the reserves, you know, to get you know, a little education and then, you know, do my duty or whatever. And, and uh, I was in platoon 2036. But it was interesting how, you know, we probably started out with, with quite a number of people. But by the end, we lost quite a few people. Yeah. They just couldn't finish whether they wouldn't listen or something came back, you know, or they couldn't swim or they were overweight. Oh, so there were things that would challenge them. They, they say the, can't hack it. The, 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 Get your jacket. They called it the pork chop platoon PCP. If you were overweight, you had to go <laughs> to that platoon and lose weight in order to graduate and do some things. But they gave you a chance. This is yeah. what I like though. Yeah. So yeah. like, let's say you join the Marines, but you can't swim. Uh, okay. Well, they'll, give you swimming lessons and then you learn to swim they'll they'll do that for you which is kind of cool that is cool because you know nowadays you're going to need soldiers yes so give them a chance you know well i can't swim or i'm overweight well then they'll work with you yeah um and so once again um that's an example you know like uh if you ever want to do something like at a church like we do our church membership and so um you never want to stretch it out you know i know a lot of church memberships can go for like six weeks oh wow yeah and it's an hour each day or each week but you would lose people. Yeah, It'd of course. It'd be so hard to keep up with it. Too and many I've, weeks. I've learned this. Yeah. I've only got two weekends in a row or two weekends. Sometimes there's something in between. Sure. And so basically it's like from 10 to 2, okay, part one, and then part two is 10 to 2, two separate Sundays. But that's a total of, of, of basically eight hours for a church membership. But I've even discovered that people can't even do two parts. They can't even do <laughs> two weekends. You know what I'm saying? Well, most of them can. No, but they, there are those that can't. It's just funny how yeah. that happens. God forbid if it was three or four. Yeah. For, I yeah. couldn't keep up with that. Forget well, about I it. did two and three, but I didn't do four. I did two, three, and four, but I didn't do one. Yeah. It just, it would be, it would be just crazy. So right now I have quite a few half members. Sure. Just because there's only two parts. I call them half and half. <laughs> see, we I talked like about this. See, you said you like half and half, and I know you do, but see, I, I like the cream of the crop because the cream rises to the top, you know? So, you know, it's not how you start, but how you finish. So, so you know, it's kind of like even Beit Tehillah. You know, it's interesting. Even when my father-in-law passed away, uh, we were in the bubble and different things were happening. But I think we were up to 250 people. Yeah. Between two, 250. Yeah. We, we've never achieved that, even now. Yeah. And COVID hit. Churches are closing. Right. So, and I know it's not about nickels and noses, but whatever gets measured gets, improved. gets changed. Yeah, that's right. And numbers don't lie. So it's interesting how, like right now, I think we're averaging over 100, you know. But the bottom line is that there's not as many as there used to be. Sure. You know, and, and I would say this in all honesty. We had more people over in that fellowship hall with the shoehorn, get them in, than we do in this big, spacious <laughs> fire marshal says you can have over 400. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that it's interesting how it's not about nickels and noses, but it's about loyalty and where are you called? Yeah. So we have to we have to remember that it's it's not even about the destination; it is the journey. Yeah. And so we have all these incredible opportunities here. Our vision hasn't changed: build a strong community, raise up the next generation. Yeah. And it happens. So the basic, I think, answer is the obvious answer, which is the reason that there was less in the beginning than there was. I'm sorry, more at the beginning than there was at the end, is because God put a judgment on them that the, a whole generation there was a standard had to die in the, the wilderness. People didn't meet it. So just think about this for a second. There were, out of this census, there's only two people that are the same people that are going to go into the land. Two people, Joshua and Caleb. I know. So wow. 603,000 people died. 
So just put that in your head that over the 40 years. Because they were over 20. 603,000 people died. And so this is a completely new crop of people out of, out of that group. Now, wow. in America today, if you think about it, we're not even keeping up with our population, right? We're, we're, most people are having like one to two kids per family, but it's, it's averaging just above two, at least it was a few years ago, only because the Latin people are having, you know, th- averaging three, four kids. I know at Beit we average, I think, six kids per family or something. <laughs> it might be like four. Actually, uh, our demographics here, I would say that one-third of our congregation is youth and children. Oh, yeah. At least. So uh, so the obvious answer is that 603 people died in the wilderness because that's what God judged them and, and had happen. But the good news is that you have almost I mean, within a th- couple thousand, within the, the same number of people right. that you started with, right? So they, they were able to maintain again. I've heard it said, and I can't remember where, it's more important to maintain than it is to grow. Yeah, I saw huh. that. Oh, oh that was that. you. I learned that. That was you. Did you learn that from the book of Numbers? Yeah, it kind of goes, it, it, the opposite of that, hey, I got too many irons in the fire. Yes. You ever heard that? Yes, 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 yes. You know, uh, it, it's funny, like some people will come to Beit Tehillah and they'll glean, but they, they belong to a church, which is fine. Yes. But then they come here and then they're torn. Yes. Well, I have my Sunday church. Double but really, agents. I want to go to Beit Tehillah and I want to learn and grow. And of course, we give you that opportunity, but everyone should have a home church yes. that you should tithe to. Yes. So you're welcome to, to glean here free. But make sure that you are tithing in your home church. Yes, I agree. With that's that. why we created the church membership. I agree. So with let's that. move on with the whole inheritance and everything, Ryan, because that's what we're doing. You and I are moving towards the inheritance. Fine. Let's go. So the land was going to be divided for an inheritance according to the number of names. Wow. So you have the total number of tribes. That'll be the number, the amount of allotment that you get based on land. Uh, the land was going to be divided among the tribes by lot. So they were going to cast lots for who gets what part. Good point. Now, how old did you have to be among the Levites to be counted in the second census? You had to be from a month old and upward. Now, that's the same as the first one, right? I would think so. I think it is. Absolutely. And so remember, Levites are different than priests. So the total number of the Levites counted in the second census was 23,000, and the total number in the first census was 22,000. So they actually increased by 1,000 people. And just remember that the age of the requirement to serve as a Levite was 30, the law first mentioned. And then we know that that's when Yeshua began his ministry, when he was 30. But they dropped it down to 25 and then 20, because I recognize that there was a need for priests. Sure. Even now. I agree when they dropped it to 20, but I think it was 25 for Levites and 30 for priests. No, that's interesting. I'll have to look into that. But yeah, they did drop the age a little bit there. So what... uh, Oh, so speaking of inheritance, now we get a little bit of a controversy about who can get an inheritance and who can. So Ooh, we're going to... Yeah, yeah, me, that's pick right. Me, oh, pick, pick me. Pick oh, me. yeah, inheritance oh, yeah, is a good buzzword. That's right. So uh, this section is chapter 27, and it's called the Law of Inheritance. And so what five women came before Moses requesting a share of the inheritance? Boy, they're hearing about the inheritance, mm-hmm. and they're like, listen, these five women were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Terza. That's right. And so these are five women. And these women for from what tribe? Uh, they were from the tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. Are these five daughters? It is five daughters. Are they our sisters? Or they, we don't know that. They are. So the so there were no sons. Let me see here. I'll show you. I'll show you right now. It's got right here twenty seven seven. There were no sons of Zelophehad, who was from the tribe of Manasseh. So the Lord said to Moses to give the five daughters of Zelophehad five daughters an inheritance within their own tribe. I've got five daughters. You have five daughters. I do. Zelophehad. Oh, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, Terza. I have Hadassah, uh-huh. Adaya, That's right. Briella, Eva, and Ahava. Wow. This is so cool. It is. And they're all ah names. And I tell them. And yours are all ah names. Who was I talking to? Little Brielle. I said, Brielle, you're going to the land. Yeah, that's right. You're going to the land. That's right. So this is, this is the story here. It's con- controversial because uh, a woman would get her provision of inheritance from her husband, right? But in this case, the father died with no sons. So then the women here, the sisters, were concerned about the inheritance because well, their father's inheritance was just going to be swallowed up by other people, and they were going to be left 
uh, without anything. And so the ruling was made that as long as the five daughters married within the tribe of Manasseh, yeah. and that the the, uh, the inheritance allotment would stay within the tribe, That's good. that they could have the inheritance for them. So they could divvy up their father's Well, you know, land. it would make, you, you should stay within your tribes, but the bottom line is that, that's interesting because I'm just wondering if, if they were from the tribe of Manasseh, and they're a female. Right. Theoretically, biblically, the child's decided by the father. So they could be absorbed into another tribe. They could, yes. And, and be that tribe. Correct. But they made a case here, no, stay within your tribe. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Right. When we're inbreeding. <laughs> I mean, I when know. you say it like that, it sounds bad. You know, at this know. point, there's 57,000 of them. I'm going to leave mean? Kentucky out it? of this. All right. <laughs> Blue moon of Kentucky, which keep on shining. Kentucky. That's where Ruth's from. That's right. That's right. They have a good basketball team there. And uh, my, my friend, Pastor Daniel Stahl, is from Kentucky. Ah, this is and true. That's where the, uh, they, found the, uh, they found Noah's Ark in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I don't think they found it there. I think they may have built oh, it there. Oh, they built an ark. Yeah, that's See, right. that redeems the state right yeah. there. You know? See, uh, they believe that Mount Ararat is in present-day Turkey, which is where the okay, ark. Okay, we need to move on. Okay, We're so fun. how far are you willing to go to be obedient in receiving your inheritance? You know, I want to just say this, Ryan, right out of the gate. Here's the situation. The first thing promised to Abraham is Land. Land. <laughs> Land. Land. So. Definitely land. In Galatians, it talks about, right, if you have Christ. Right. You're the seed of Abraham. That's correct. So Galatians why, would, why 3, wouldn't you want the land? Why wouldn't you care about the land? You know, Christianity was founded in, in Jerusalem, in Israel. You know, why wouldn't you want to be in the land, to visit the land, or even to live there? And that's what's happening in the nations. Christians that are not Jewish are waking up and saying, Hey, you know, I, I, I would like to live in Israel with the Jewish people. Right. Now, there's not a lot of us, I don't think right now, but maybe if you add it up from every country, one here, two there, three there, whatever, some here, I think it could be a, a big percentage of people. Yeah. You know, and we don't ever really think about that. And I think what's, 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 what's kind of sad is that, you know, uh, they, they mentioned this timing of the rapture. Well, how can I live in Israel? I'm going to be raptured, you know, before all of right. this. But what if time keeps going on? And we're still here, you know. Uh, I mean, if, if I asked you, Ryan, if you could live anywhere in the world and it was permitted by God, he, he, he says, this is where I want you to live. You're going to get to live here. Where would it be? First choice, Galilee. Israel. Yeah. Right. So, so not all of us are like that. Even some of you that are listening are like, oh, no, I would never want to live in Israel. I, well, then you won't. Yeah. But we have to offer it. We have to show you that there is an opportunity yeah. that you could live in Israel. Second choice and, and very close second is uh, Mountains of Ephraim. Samaria. You know, uh, and like I said, you know, how far are you willing to go to be obedient receiving your inheritance? You know, not only that, but About we 6, got, miles. But we have to be part of God's plan. Yeah, we have to be part of God's plan. Yeah. So if God is asking us to do what we're doing on this podcast, yes, amen. this is God's heart at this table. Yes. Now, there's other dimensions of his redemptive plan. There's other parts. There's other things that are going on. But I will say that if we have God's heart, then we want to do God's bidding. Well, so in order to receive our inheritance, we have to follow God's heart. And that's why we just had uh, Aaron Lipkin here in the Lipkin family, that as Christians, we should extend a hand to Jewish people. Absolutely. And respect Judaism, respect Israel, you know, know that they're the chosen people. Know that God made promises to the Jewish people. So it's as far as you want to go, see, because what you do today dictates tomorrow. See, ultimately, our inheritance is is the words that, that God will say when we get before him, and that is, well done good and faithful servant. Amen. And so, we did all these things in your name. Well, let's not go there right now. But what does he say? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Of lawlessness. People, look, my point, though, is that the inheritance that we're seeking after is, is, is the approval of God. That is a, an inheritance in and of itself. Um, you know, the things, these other things are how do you see, fringe benefits, right, to being obedient. When you're in the kingdom— and you're doing the work of the kingdom, God is going to give you the resources to fulfill the vision of the kingdom, right? Part of that is land, children, money, everything that comes with establishing the kingdom, you know, helping the kingdom grow. I personally believe that ultimately the borders of Israel are going to be what the biblical borders are, from the river of Egypt all the way to the river Euphrates. Well, what about, what is the kingdom of God, Ryan? 
It's love, joy, peace, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but but it's not meat and drink. No, it's not. So look at it like that. So, hey, my inheritance is to have the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then he guides me and leads me, you know. Yeah. So so as we establish these different so things. To answer the question, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Good. I'm going to write that down. Whatever it takes. Ryan Cabrera. Yeah. Now, did Moses want God to set a man over the congregation? Yes, yes. Yes. Now, now that's Numbers 27, 16. Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. Is that your money uh, python voice? No. I need to work on that. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. Amen. And set him before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. Ryan, this is incredible. We're talking about the transference of leadership from the Levites to the Ephraimites. Literally, Ephraim, who's mature and responsible. You know, uh, Joshua was in Egypt. Hey, we were in Egypt, Ryan. You and I were in the world. Joshua was in the wilderness. Proved himself to be faithful. We're in the wilderness. Yeah. But Joshua gets to go into the promised land. We get to go into the promised Ephraim. land. Ephraim. 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 I'm only saying this because, oh, my, Ryan, think about this. Joshua, remember, he was at the base of the mountain when Moses went up for 40 And then days. he was in the tabernacle. And he didn't even know what was going on in the camp because he was waiting for his master. Yeah. He was a good rab- well, a good student under the rabbis. Yeah. So, so he didn't even know what was going on in the golden calf incident. Here we are in Tammuz 17 yesterday, you know, and here's Joshua. But it also says Joshua never left the tabernacle. Joshua's just, like, you guys did he, what? He just hung out there. Now we got to wander in the wilderness? If I was Joshua, I'd be upset. So, so what, what's interesting is that the Lord picked Joshua. Yes. Ephraim, the son of Nun, to succeed Moses. And that's what's happening today. God is looking for mature, responsible Ephraimites. Yes. Those people coming out of the nations that are mature and responsible. Yes. You know, and there's no hierarchy. That's why the enemy is so livid yeah. that when we're mature and responsible, he's in trouble. Right. Because there is no pope. There's no cardinal. There's no blue jay. Yeah. There's no, no hierarchy. Yeah. But, but Ephraim's everywhere, and now God's awakening this, this situation. Yeah. And we have to prove ourselves. Yes. We do have to prove ourselves. So Joshua was set before Eliezer the priest. All the congregation of Moses laid his hands upon him to give him a charge. And the question is, why is it important to have a successor when it comes to leadership? You know, uh, a very good point in this would be um, that if you believe in the vision— then the vision and the administration needs to be bigger than you. And in order for it to be bigger than you, there has to be, A, other people involved that you've delegated some of the authority to, and then also somebody that's groomed to be a successor so that it can continue past your capabilities. Um, And and a failure in this point is is, um, like the Israeli government right now. Netanyahu should have had somebody. I think that, you know, his goal was to have the—who's the head of the Mossad? I'm not sure. I forget the name. Uh, was that they wanted him to be, you know, prime minister after Netanyahu? But it just hasn't come to that point yet where he's grooming. I never the knew next that. person in the Likud. See, the, you know, Mr. Benjamin Netanyahu, he um, he never really groomed a successor. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's not even documented. Right. You know, but uh, it, it, I, I wrote this down. So there is no vacuum for leadership. Yes. So when the leader dies. There's no vacuum. There's no, there's no wondering. There's no, you have to have a plan. Um, and I'm writing this down. So, uh, so there's no vacuum for leadership, you know. Uh, it's interesting that um, he says right here in, in uh, Numbers 27, 17, which may go out before them and which may go in before them and which may lead them out and which may bring them in that the congregation of the Lord be not as a sheep which have no shepherd. Remember what Yeshua said? He looked out over the people. He said, I feel sorry for them. For they have no shepherd. Yep. They have no good leadership. And he says he's going to raise them up, though, right? In Jeremiah, there's a prophecy that God will raise up pastors after his own heart. Hallelujah. Now, I believe that, that these pastors don't have to necessarily be in Hebrew roots, but I believe they'll be awakened to say, the Jews are the chosen people. Yes. We need to support them and stand up for them and come against anti-Semitism. I agree. Um, so, that, so there's no vacuum for leadership. And then I also have here, somebody leaves the table. And somebody comes to the table. Yeah. 
make space. So if you wonder why a position is not filled or why you're struggling, it's because somebody's at the table that shouldn't be there. When they leave, the right person comes along, everything flows better. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I see it. Yeah. Oh, I see it clearly. I bet. I do. So somebody leaves the table, and somebody comes to the table. Wow, that's good. Interesting. All right, so we're jumping into chapter 28? Yeah, you can take it from here. We're, and this is interesting, you know, this transition. It is. It's time for offerings. Every time. Let's take, let's take up an offering. Yeah, some subject you matter. You guys screwed up? Hey, let's take up an offering. Yeah, yeah. You messed up? Pay up. That's right. So uh, this section is uh, chapter 28, and it's, we're calling it laws, of off, or laws for Offerings. And it says, what animal sacrifice was offered in the morning and in the evening? A lamb. A lamb. Ah. So there was a special sacrifice made for the beginning of each month. Rosh Kodesh. Rosh Kodesh. Rosh Kodesh. The Rosh Kodesh, which is head of the month and uh, is loosely translated in English traditionally as new moon. Um, and that can be found in Numbers chapter 20. So we're walking verse 11. with God when we do these That's things. That's right. Because these are offerings or sacrifices on certain days. Yep. And so the 14th day of the first month is the Feast of Passover, or Pesach, and that's Numbers uh, chapter 28, verse 16. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread is celebrated for seven days, and that's verse 17. And there were special offerings for the Feast of First Fruits, which is 28, 26. Now, uh, the Omer. that's right. So these first fruit uh, offerings are important because if you think about it, um, this is the first fruits of the harvest that God is saying, hey, you want the rest of the harvest blessed, right? Bring me the first fruits. That's the principle of the tithe. That's the first fruit. So it should be the first portion Good, that I you like bring that. into the storehouse. You know, people bring me first fruits. Yeah, I hey, know. I was growing something, and this is what came. And they'll put a little red thing around it. Like in, in times past, yeah. they'll put like a ribbon around it that this is the best. Wow. So when something grows, they'll take the best one and bring it to the temple. That's why awesome, people yeah. tell me this is the best that I grew, or these are the best eggs, or these are the best fruits, or I've brought you stuff, brought me yeah, tomatoes, yeah. or whatever. It's did like you really want to cool. go? I didn't know if you wanted to go. Did you want to go? No. You sure? The lamb? No, I don't. No, I've eight children. You sure? I'm just yeah. saying I could bring one over to your house while I don't you're not there. Like that. First and fruits. maybe your kids could fall in love with no, it before you get home. This, let's stick with vegetables and fruits, and, and then eggs. maybe then you're stuck with it. Eggs. <laughs> I even got quail eggs. It's awesome. <laughs> That's right. The sprunts, right? That's right. Quail. Yep. It's awesome. I mean, it's so relevant for today. It is, man. Here's your quail eggs. Yeah. Now, they're little, but crack them and they're good, man. They're great. Yeah, yeah. Good enough for Israel. Good enough for me. <laughs> so, uh, what did they blow in the seventh month on the first day? Trumpets. Yom Teruah. The first day of the seventh Yom month. Yom That's right. Yom good, good Teruah. Word, good word. Blew the trumpets. <laughs> And what did you afflict on the 10th day of the seventh month, and were you allowed to work on this day? You were supposed to um, afflict your soul, and no work is to be done on that day. Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Uh, once again, this is a particular day where it's like a total fast. And remember, it's Yom Kippurim, the Day of Atonements, because there's multiple atonements being made wow. for the house of God, for the people, and for the priesthood, and all of those things. It's a corporate atonement uh numbers chapter 29 and verse 12 says and on the 15th day of the seventh month uh ye shall have a holy convocation ye shall do no servile work and ye shall keep a feast unto the lord seven days this feast is the feast of ta Sukkot. tabernacles Tabernacle, that's right yeah. yep Sukkot. and so during the feast of tabernacles in the seventh month there was a sacrifice performed each day for seven days uh, a solemn assembly was held on the eighth day, and no work could be done on this Isn't day. Isn't it funny how unleavened bread is seven days of denying yourself and no leaven, and then you can eat all the puffy bread you want for seven days during Sukkot. I know, Party, I know. Enjoy, that's right. Dancing and eating. Uh -huh. Well, think about it. That's that's the blessed hope that we're waiting on. We're waiting on you know, Yeshua to come and tabernacle when with us. Water libation took place. You know they. They brought the water down from the Pool of Siloam. They, they processed it up. They had a ceremony, and they dumped it at the altar, and they were praying for rain and everything. And, and what did Yeshua say? Hey, he cried out, if anyone's thirsty. So I got a big question for you. You ready? How has the Lord's feast days changed your life? Oh, come on, somebody. All I can say is this. In the book of Leviticus, chapters mm -hmm. 1 through 17 mm -hmm. is the way to God. Now, what's contained within there you have your sacrifices you got to have a sacrifice where's your sacrifice ryan yeah and of course we have the dietary laws 
and clean and unclean. So this is some cool things to get straightened out in your life if you want to, you know, uh, on your way to God. Uh, but chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. So Leviticus 23 are the feast days. You're walking with God. So mm-hmm. even this connection of the three weeks of affliction, we're walking with God. Yeah. Because it's leading up to something. It's going to lead to Teshuva. Teshuva. So in spring of 1995, I celebrated my first feast day of Passover. Ah. So since 1995. It's 26 years. I no longer have my pet rock. Aww. My mood ring is lost. <laughs> but. I do have the feast days. (laughs) I do them every year. Now, check this out. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is where it gets to be really good. I celebrated the feast days as a single man. I joined up with the community, and I got to celebrate it with them. And then I got married. I got married, and now my wife and I got to do the feast days together, of course, with the community. So it's my wife and I. I'm not alone. It's her and I. It's not good for man to be alone. Just you and I. It's not good for man to be alone. But then this kid shows up. I don't know how it happened. (laughs) Josiah. (laughs) So it's my wife and I and Josiah. And hey, what's going on Yeah, after eight, you'd probably figure out how it happens. So we're in the community. We have family. And then I have eight kids. Yes. I have eight children. Yeah. And I have my wife and I, my eight children, and the community and family. Yeah. And it keeps growing and growing. So now it's leading up to, I believe we're going to be celebrating these things with Judah. Amen. That's like the family reunion. So uh, I don't know how many years that is, but spring of 1995. 26 years. 26 years. Thank you. Let me write that down. 26 years. 26 years. Now, If I could say anything, Ryan, the feast days have to be celebrated by the church. I'm not telling you to do Shabbat, don't eat pork chops, read the Torah portions. If I could do anything for the church, any pastor I would sit down, I would say, do the feasts. And I get a double dog dare you. Yeah. Revival will break out. Yeah. If you tell your people, we're going to celebrate the feasts, revival will break out. I double dog dare them. Sure. Most of them won't take it. Yeah. You know, I'll testify you want to me the to fact. do it for you? No. <laughs> I'll go and celebrate. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I'll do. I can do it enough for both Just of put, us. Just say, listen, I got this crazy idea, but I'm not really sure about it. But Pastor Nick, come on up and share with my people. Share with this community about the feast days. Oh yeah, because I really don't understand. I'm not really quite getting it. But you double dog dared me to do this, and revival would break out. So I'm going to take you up on it. So come on down, Nick, and I'm going to come on up, and then we're going to have revival. Amen. I'm just waiting for that day. I know. I'm just waiting. I love the pastors. Tell me about it. So I, um, I mean, the feast days as a whole, uh, wow. You know, there's certain things that God teaches us that I, you can't put it into words. There's things that you learn from the doing of, God's, of, th- of godly things that speak to your heart. They speak to your spirit, and you just you receive like an understanding, a peace, a joy that just wells up from inside of you. Um, that you just can't necessarily explain to people, right? Like I, I can show you why you should be doing it, right? But I don't think most people receive revelation from God in that way. I think people receive salvation because the Spirit of God comes and meets with their spirit, right? And there's a an intertwining and a, a consummation You're at the of right a, place at the right time. of a of a of a relationship in that moment that happens, and it's that emotion or that mountaintop experience that drives people forward into substantiating their uh, their belief and their faith through the scriptures, right? And through other, other means. But I can tell you that for me, the feast days are so fulfilling. And, you know, when you start out in this movement and... You know, you've been celebrating, say, Christmas and Easter your whole life and Halloween, you know, God forbid, and all of these other things that we do because they're just really American traditions. And then you start doing things, you know, uh, I've heard it said doing Bible things in Bible ways. It's so rich. There's such a, a satisfaction that God gives you. He satisfies your soul with it. And if you haven't experienced keeping the Sabbath, either as a single person or as with a family, or the feast days of Passover and you know Pentecost and, and Shavuot and, uh, and Sukkot and the fall feasts and all. If you haven't done it, you, you can't speak to it. So well, you talked about Sabbath. What's the punishment for not keeping it? 
stoning. You're stoned. Yeah, stoning. So every week it's that critical. Yeah. That it's, it's it's the Sabbath is more important than the feast days. Yeah. If you don't keep the feast days, you're what excommunicated, thrown outside the camp. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of like wow, you can only backslide for six days, Ryan. Yeah. Well, I struggled. I struggled <laughs> mentally with the relevance of Torah. With keeping the commands of God, because you know I I had been taught and it had been ingrained in me so long, either directly or indirectly, that the Torah was done away with, and that keeping the commands in the Torah was somehow trampling Jesus Christ underfoot. That I was, you know, nailing him back up on the cross, and that I was saying that what he did didn't matter. That I was going to try to you know earn my salvation through other means. Right. And what a lie from the pit of hell! The devil is the trickster. He's he beguiles people well, pagan with his wiles, days, right? But that's not my, my, my point. My point is that he's teaching people that the very thing that will bring satisfaction and richness into their life and joy and peace and doing things in conjunction with God is somehow evil. He's right. convinced people that of that, and it's so. It's it's because he's beguiled them. He's tricky. Uh, and he's been very successful in that endeavor, and it's a real shame because, I mean, even I was in that same understanding for my whole life up until, you know, like I said, seven years ago. So I feel for people, and I understand where they're coming from because I struggled reading Paul's letters and going back and forth. And again, I've said this a million times if I've said it once. Eddie Attili's at the post table on Shabbat, right? He told me, you're going to do it, and it's going to bear fruit, or it's not. And, man, those are great words because, you know what? It ain't going to hurt you to try God's thing. It's God's things, right? This is right but out of the Scriptures. Faith. But you believe in it. It's God's thing. It's a part of your faith. But once you do it and you experience it, you're gonna, you're gonna, you'll know. You just will. Because like I said, I can't explain it in words, but I can express myself the best that I can. You know, but I still am not doing it justice, if that makes sense. Because you yeah. know what, like coming together as a community and like our tabernacle celebration services and like doing the war dance, like all the fun stuff that we do. You don't get to do that at a regular church. You know, and that might sound silly to somebody listening to it that doesn't have the perspective. Yeah. What's that Russian proverb you say? Uh, it's better to experience, experience something one once, time yeah. than hear about it a thousand times. Exactly right. You know, uh, just just to reflect on this, Ryan, just what comes to my mind real quick here, just so everybody understands that we will be celebrating the feast days in the future. When yes. Messiah comes back. For sure. And I won't get into all that. But in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verses 9 through 13, I thought this was interesting. The context is that Hezekiah celebrates the Passover, but in the second month. Here it goes. Uh, it says right here, for if you turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive so that they shall come again into this land. For the Lord, your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return unto him. So the post passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, even unto Zebulun. But they laughed them to scorn and mocked them, weren't willing to come to the table. I've been there. I've been mocked and scorned for what I do. But here's the thing. Nevertheless, divers of Asherah, Manasseh, and of Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Also in Judah, the hand of God was to give them one heart to do the commandment of the king and of the princess by the word of the Lord. So the king was establishing, hey, we're going to celebrate the second Passover. And he sent the decree out. Now he's the representative of God. And so he's making a great decree. It's like an executive order. Yeah. I want that pen. Yeah, that's good. And there assembled at Jerusalem much people to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month a very great congregation. Now, in, in Colossians uh, chapter 2, um, verse 16 and 17, this is what Paul says to, to the church in Colossus. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So you can't take this out of context. He was teaching them about the feast days and people were going to be they were going to judge them yes. they were keeping the feast days yeah uh but even in uh in my last example that i would like to use is in ezekiel which is i which is i i find very interesting uh let's see here let's see here Okay, here we go. Uh, here we go. So in the future, we have Ezekiel 46 as a prophecy. It's called the Prince and the Festivals. Oh. 46 verse 1, Ezekiel. And thus saith the Lord God, the gate of the inner court that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened. And this is the future temple. 
Right. In the so, millennium, so, probably. So, so there we have, why keep the feasts? Yeah. Because you're going to meet with God. Yes. I tell you, it's, it's just right there. Yeah. God's giving a personal invitation to everyone that reads his scriptures to keep, to come to his party. That's right. So let's not rip up the invitation and throw our own party. No. So, so what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Pincus or Phineas, Numbers chapter 25, verse 10, all the way through chapter 30, verse 1, from a consensus of the group? Now, here are my two. Okay. And then I'm done. I can drop the mic. Number one, <laughs> this is what I really got out of this. I love this. Stand up for what is right. Amen. Stand up for what is right. And then, of course, that's an example of righteous indignation inspired of the Lord. He took matters into his own hands. In that situation. That's number one. Number two, it is not how you start, but how you finish. So if we look at the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement, Ryan, as we look at it, we need to understand what? We're not there yet. We're not done. We have all these prophecies, right? Don't we? We have all these prophecies. And uh, what was it? Uh, I'm just thinking to this. Anyway, that I'm not going to get into that. I don't have this, this other Bible. But, yeah, it's not how you start, but how you finish. So we're just not quite there yet. Amen. And that's what I have to say. So I really only have one point, and it's about, um, you know, the inheritance that ask God for an inheritance in the land, and you just might get it. Ooh. You know, the five daughters yeah. of Zelophehad came. I have a passion for And it. they asked, and, and it was granted to them. There were there stipulations. If God tells me, yeah, but you know what? You're going to have to do X, Y, Z. I'll be like, name your terms, baby. Here I come. <laughs> Whatever God wants. Whatever God we wants. We don't have to fear. Whatever God wants. So. You know, my kids always joke around. We'll be driving around. I say, hey, you know, I used to live in those apartments. You know, I used to live in that old house over there. And they said, Dad, you lived in a lot of places. And it's true. Yeah. You have to live somewhere. You're roaming nomad, yeah. So That's why don't it. you pray us out? Father, we just thank you for this incredible time I get into the Word. The Word got into us. Your Word will not come back null and void. So, Father, right now we just summon, we just pray out. Uh, the whole house of Israel for restoration regathering. We lift up the Jewish people to you in the land of Israel, uh, peace in the city of Jerusalem, and we just we just pray for you to put everything together, Father, this reconciliation, this restoration, this big-time family reunion, the valley of dry bones becoming an exceeding great army, the two sticks becoming one in your hand, Father. We so look forward to this, and we just uh, ask you to bless everyone that's watching, that's listening. Just give them hope. Hope is the anchor of their soul. And uh, we just thank you for this. We are expecting great things. In the name of Yeshua of Nazareth, we pray and ask these things in his authority. Amen. Amen. All right. Bless you guys. Have a great week.